Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we're back with a sort of deep dive, maybe a long and narrow dive, because we have been playing Star Wars Squadrons. Before we go any further, just want to mention that as a a first-time experiment while Graham and I were playing this, um, it turns out that people play games in front of an audience these days, and we figured, well, heck, this game is brand new. Maybe you want to see it. So if you want to watch us awkwardly fumbling around... Well, that's not fair. I think I did okay. But if you want to watch us playing this game, you can do that. I feel slighted. I, I did okay, too. Yeah, you, you did pretty good in the fleet battle, right? Yeah, so, yeah, once I figured out how to use the bomber. Anyway. Anyway, you can check it out. We're going to post the link up. Uh, it's going to be on our website at geektop5.com. We'll put it in for the description of this episode. We'll also paste it up at facebook.com slash geektop5. Um, it'll be reposted when this episode airs, but you can find it there right now. Um, which doesn't really it's, matter since you can't hear it until this episode airs. Um, but we uh, we recorded ourselves playing on Twitch for about an hour. All right, is there any way to coordinate our activities here, or are we just sort of rushed to takedown? I think it's. Hey, kill! I got a kill assist, and then I uh, flew into the side of an asteroid. Okay, well and I'm that, on fire. that sort of balances out. Oops, and I hit another asteroid. <laughs> and I'm about to hit another. What are you doing? Uh, the, the just great top-notch work. Yeah, if you want the address, it's uh, twitch.tv slash geektop5. Twitch.tv slash geektop5. And I think off and on in the coming days and weeks, we'll probably be experimenting with Twitch a little more, and we'll let you know when we're on there so you can watch us live and chat with us while we play i think the key will be i mean you tell us how much you enjoy it if it's the kind of thing you want to see more of uh we could we could certainly do that um what we've got up there right now we've got graham on there on the playstation uh but the point of view is coming from my thing where i've set it up with the vr rig uh which is an important thing to mention uh, we'll get into that a little bit later yeah i don't even know if this is a deep dive so much as like a first impressions I think it's like it's uh, it's long and narrow. It's like the Death Star trench, right? We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go really far, um, but we still have a bit of a ways to go to uncover all this. Star Wars Squadrons, released by EA and Motive, um, at the time of the recording, came out literally today. But by the time you're hearing this, it'll be a few days old. Still pretty brand new. Um, an exclusive Star Wars themed spacecraft starfighter dueler. Um, but with a compelling story and fun multiplayer options, and uh, look, let's cut right to the chase. When it comes to Star Wars, I mean, we all love the Jedi, we all love lightsabers, but I know my personal interest has always been the ships. Longtime fans of the show are not going to be surprised to hear that it's the space battles that are really the part of my heart that yearns for that part of Star Wars. And this game is bringing it to us, and we've each spent a few hours on it so far, and we're bringing our brand new video game impressions factory direct to you. I, I think we talked about it before, but I feel like some of the earliest Star Wars games, and certainly the most successful of that first generation of Star Wars games, were ship simulators, and it feels like it's been a while since we had a new entry in that, that field. The, some of the Battlefront games have had ship-on-ship combat components, but it always felt like a bit of an afterthought, and with this... 
this is definitely not an afterthought. That's the only part of this game. Yeah, it's an interesting... It, it occupies a weird place in video games. Like, a lot of times what you have is the division between a triple-A video game, which in the Star Wars life will be something like Battlefront 2, but, like, you know, the kind of thing a studio spends six years and a billion dollars to develop... Or, like, the small titles, the $20, like, nothing nobodies. This occupies a weird middle ground. Uh, it's not a triple A game. I mean, for one thing, it's half the price. It retails for $39.99. Which is, is surprising. You'd think anything they slapped the Star Wars logo on, they could charge full price for. And, oh, and, and they have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Battlefront 2, it felt like if you wanted everything from the get-go, you were spending at least $120 on it. Oh, easily, easily. And then there's DLC and stuff, right? And then, especially with Battlefront, there was that whole fiasco about microtransactions. Now that you've bought the game, like, you spend money to gamble on earning tiny little more pieces of it. Uh, that actually led to, like, like an investigation and it being discussed in political circles and sort of changed the landscape of games forever. In fact, I, I actually listened to a podcast that that was part of the story, and apparently there... The Reddit, the Reddit post that that team made explaining their loot crate policy is the most downvoted post in uh, Reddit history. It's like there's a Guinness record for it. Absolutely, yeah. They said that they, it was, like, they wanted a, a sense of pride and accomplishment in earning these things. It was, yeah, it was a whole thing. This is very different. This is very clearly an experiment by the developer. And, uh, I mean, we'll give you our impressions, but critically speaking, so far, it looks like it's a success. It's still the video game equivalent of an opening weekend, so can't tell you how much it's sold. But it's getting 8s, 9s out of 10s across the board. Um, All the major review sites have pretty much said that, like, this is a heck of a lot of fun, and it's not missing anything. It's a solid product. And I also think we can all appreciate, especially after all that loot crate nonsense that they did, there's there's not a lot of pay to win in it. It's like everything you can get in it is achievable just by playing the game. Yeah, let's be clear. You cannot purchase. There are no microtransactions. You cannot purchase even cosmetics, even if you wanted to. Which, okay, um, yeah, no one's complaining about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are some people complaining about it, probably rich people, but I I really appreciate the fact that I don't have to, I don't feel like I'm missing out on any part of the game because I don't want to put more money into it. So that's all the, the brass tacks. Let's get right to, right down into it. So I guess we should talk a little bit about what it is. Um, so this is, like we said, a starfighter-based game. Uh, it tells a new story in the Star Wars universe. There is a brief tutorial that takes place during A New Hope as a side story after the destruction of Alderaan, but after that it's settled uh, in the post-Return of the Jedi era. So after the death of the Emperor, but not really, thanks, JJ, uh, after the original death of the Emperor, but before Rey and Finn. Um, where you have the you know the recently shattered empire on a weird footing trying to figure out what went wrong, and the rebellion has just become the new republic and is starting to make their transition from you know like heroic raiders to functioning government, and you play as both sides of the of the battle, which is an interesting feature. You will oscillate back and forth between two characters, one flying for let's face it the good guys and one flying for the bad guys. Um, each with their own point of view and oftentimes sort of outwitting the other as you go. The the interesting thing about the, being able to play both sides of it, that also feels like a throwback, just like the fighter sim aspect of this in, in general. You know, in the a lot of old games, 
Warcraft, uh, Mech Warrior, things like that, you would play multiple sides. Even Star Trek, uh, oh, the name just left my head. The the RTS. What was the Star Trek RTS? Oh, Armada. Armada. Yeah, you would play as all these different factions, and that feels like it doesn't happen as much anymore in games. It's more of a linear story. Yeah, well, I mean, linear storytelling is you know, very in-depth, and when they bother to do it at all, it usually requires you to follow a single character. So it's hard to have the character fight themselves. Um, a lot of times when they do this in Star Wars games, it's it, what they do is they use the Imperial Defector as a prop. Um, that was the campaign from Battlefront 2, where you played as the like the Imperial Super Commando who defects to the Rebel Alliance, so you sort of get to see both sides of it. That's not how it works in this one. It's There's two characters um, who are you know, on the lookout for each other's starfighter squadrons, each trying to do what they can for their side. So you get that cool story element to it. And, and on top of that, though, in that the very first mission, spoiler alert, I guess, there is an Imperial Defector, and that, that launches the plot. So it is it is still a part of the DNA of this game, having that, that aspect in the story. Right, but at least it's not you, right? Right. Because like, it always feels like, like you know, Battlefront 2 had a big thing of, like, you're going to play as the Empire. You're going to play as the bad guy. Like, like Force Unleashed had, you're going to work for Darth Vader. You're going to play as a bad... And every time, like, they come to their senses and join the Rebellion, and it, it, it's, you know, like, it, it's a predictable arc. Yeah, I, I do feel like with uh, Force Unleashed, we're getting definitely into the weeds here, but with Force Unleashed, it felt more ambiguous, especially because there's, like, the good guy ending and the bad guy ending. But yeah, let's let's get back to this game. Yeah. So there's that story element like we discussed, and it's a shorter campaign. It's not The Witcher 3. Um, it sounds like depending on how much side stuff you want to do, which by side stuff it means character conversations mostly, but we'll circle back to that. Uh, that that's about 10 hours of single-player content. Little Stretch it out further if you want to go back for like, the equivalent of trophies or achievements, and if you want to try on higher difficulties. The rest of it is the multiplayer mode, which is two major modes. There's the dogfight mode, which is basically deathmatch, right? You get in your ship, blow up the other player's ship, and then there's the game's sort of signature, like the one they're selling this on, which is called Fleet Battles. Um, and this is a mode I think we're going to be, I mean, certainly the two of us are going to be playing the most, but this is definitely what they want to hype. This is an objective-based game that pits small Star Wars fleets against each other, um, and players will duke it out with enemy fighters, but also attack enemy cruisers and disable enemy capital ships, and there's a whole tug-of-war element to it. If you've played these types of multiplayer games, there's some version of this, and, and a lot of them, where there's objectives, and whoever can complete the objectives first, the, the sort of victory meter moves towards them, and a new set of objectives appears. And it's... It, it's pretty standard, but it, so far from what we've played, it's well done, and, and um, you know, I don't think it's going to set the world on fire with any innovation, but it, it was fun to play. Yeah, it adds a lot to it in the sense that, like, like in the dogfight mode, I know they, they try to add things to make flying the bombers useful, like they have, they can lock onto lots of targets at once, but 
it's a dogfight. Like, I don't think people are going to be picking the slower ships very often. By giving you more things to do, you know, attacking cruisers or disabling targeting systems or all that, they add room for there to be a lot of variety to gameplay. So on your team, like, it makes sense all of a sudden for like, okay, you two pick the fast ships, you take out their fighters, we'll pick the heavy ships and blow up the, the, the capital ships, and you pick the support ship so you can keep restocking us on missiles and jam enemy locks and stuff. Like, that kind of strategy, it become, there becomes room for different ideas and different ways to play, which I think is a huge, like, it's a key component to keeping the game interesting. You know, the space battles in Battlefront, Battlefront 2 had an objective-based system, but at the end of the day, it was fly here and shoot this. You know, this keeps, it makes it a little bit more interesting, and I think it's going to add to the longevity of a title like this. I remember in the... It's weird that there's multiple versions of Star Wars Battlefront games that are just called Star Wars Battlefront, but the back in the day, early 2000s Battlefront games, there was a feature in there where you could fly a ship, it, there, so there'd be space battles, and then you dock on an enemy capital ship, and then you run around as a person in there. That was a really cool feature that I kind of miss from these games. Yeah, you're not the only one. A lot of people, back when there was a big campaign for Battlefront 3, they wanted to see that. They wanted one mission where you, you, you fight on the ground, you get in a ship, you fly into space, you dock on a Star Destroyer, and you run around on there. Never quite happened, but that's the appeal. Um, but then you look at like what they did with the new Battlefront 2, where it, it has some Starfighter stuff, but it doesn't really work, and it's not really a big part of the game. And then the ground is like really heavy focused, but it's like it's divided into all these different modes and no one's really playing the same. This is much more focused. Like this is the spaceship game. And I think it works really well. And I think that covers the uh, like the basics of what it is. Uh, so let's get more into to impressions. Well, I, I think let's go, I think we should spend some time talking about the different ship classes just to give a, a sense of what you're playing in and, and what the choices are. Go for it. So there's four types of ships that, that you can pick, and there, there's equivalents for the Rebels or the New Republic and the Imperials. There's your, your sort of standard basic ship that can a jack-of-all-trades, the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter. There's the Bomber, the Y-Wing and the TIE Bomber. There's the uh, fast ships, like the, the Super Scouts, or I don't know how else you would describe them, but there's the A-Wing and the TIE Interceptor. And then there is the uh, the support ships that show up to give rockets and and health and stuff. And I don't even know what those are called. The the U wing and the tie the tie reaper reaper. There you go. So they all have pluses and minuses. There's a balancing that happens between them, and and your skill level and and personal preference will dictate what you want. But uh, want to play in, but eventually, I think if you get a good squad together that you're you're playing with in these fleet battles you're going to want to balance between all four of the ships. There's also different... The, the Rebel side, or the New Republic side, and the, the Imperial side, there are also differences within them. Like, TIE ships don't tend to have shields, whereas uh, New Republic ships do. So there's different... Even within the same type of ship, it's not just like a pallet swap. It's not like they, they're the same ship and they just look different. They also play different, and it's uh, it, it's a lot to learn. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a big learning curve to it, I think, uh, within each ship. 
Yeah, I was surprised at that, actually, and in a good way. But, like, the, the basics of, you know, this is how you turn, this is how you throttle up, this is how you throttle down, this is how you pull the trigger, no problem. But when you get into all the mechanics on these ships uh, and all the different things they can do, I mean, I, like, we've, been, we've put, what, four or five hours into it now, and I still don't feel like I'm comfortably familiar with all the different things that I can do in this game. Um, so it's like I forget what the I don't know the exact expression, but it's, it sounds like easy to learn, hard to master. It seems like it's going to yeah. going to come out of this. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's a fancier way to say it. Doesn't matter. Um, but it's it's yeah it's deceptively deep. All the different things you can do here, and then within that, there's there's different things that you can buy to change how each ship plays. So you can you can use these uh, uh, things that you get after each game that you play. Where every time you level up, you get these different items that you can trade for things like uh, improved shield. But there's a cost to it, too. Like, you get a better shield on your ship, but it means that it recharges slower. Like, it's a stronger shield, but when it goes down, it's going to take a lot longer for it to come back. Or a different type of missile. And they all have pluses and minuses to them. And then you also have a different type of, of money or currency to, to use, and that's just to get different cosmetic things. And man... There's a lot of cosmetic stuff you can do in this game. Yeah, some of them just seem like just for the heck of it, but some of the stuff is referential. You know, you, you start off with a pretty basic X-Wing, but early on with the points you earn, you can unlock the classic Red Squadron, you know, like what they were wearing at the Battle of Yavin kind of look, which is pretty great. For uh, our less uh, in-depth Star Wars fans, that's the, the fight scene from the end of the first Star Wars movie. It's the iconic look of the X-Wing. Right, like it's it's it the that red stripe on it is is basically the logo for Star Wars. Right, yeah. There's uh, well, your basic one is pretty bare bones, and so there's sort of an incentive to do it just to show off what you've got. They when if you pre-order the game, there are some that are unlocked immediately, and that's just to like show off. Oh, I bought the game before anyone else, but you know they do look pretty pretty fancy once you're all painted up in them. Yeah, and that's and that could be part of the fun, and so it's, it doesn't affect the gameplay in any way. But you can change your paint job. You can like mount stuff to the inside of your cockpit. I think it's inspired by the gold dice that hung in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon for like one scene. Right uh, now, you can put all kinds of it's like the Star Wars equivalent of Funko Pops or pictures or like bands right. you like inside your cockpit. Yeah, or even a small Millennium Falcon. There's also different holograms that you can have there. So, you know, the little laughing monkey that sits with uh, with Jabba the Hutt. That's Salacious can... Crumb. I know. I, I know that. I'm trying to explain <laughs> it in a way that, you know, people who haven't read Tales from Jabba's Palace a million times are, are going to be able to understand. Uh, so you can have a little hologram of him laughing while you're, you're flying around. But I have to say, I haven't I haven't unlocked any of those yet, but some of that feels, as, as neat as they are, it feels like they'd be distracting, because there's only one way to play the game, and that's sitting in the cockpit. And the more stuff you have in front of your windows, the less of the fight, the less of the, the, the battle you're going to be able to see properly. So it's I guess it's a give and take. A lot of games like this, there's you can either play inside the cockpit or do a third-person view. And I'm really used to doing the third-person view, where the camera is just behind the ship, and you get a better sense of what's around you. The first time we played this, I was flying around, and I was like, well, I should go down, and there was an asteroid right below me, and I didn't know it, and I, like, crashed right into it. <laughs> That's the problem with flying ties. 
And that's a fun, like, that's a canonical thing that's part of the Star Wars universe, is that the Imperial TIE Fighters have those cramped ball cockpits that the pilots can barely see out of, um, compared to the beautiful, luxurious, like, penthouse canopy of the Republic (laughs) X-Wing. Um, but yeah, the game is locked in first person, and I, I think it's important we talk about this for a minute, because the reason they did that is because this game is 100% VR compatible. And, oh boy, let me tell you, if you're the kind of kid who wanted to sit in an X-Wing, like when you were growing up, you wanted to fly an X-Wing, this is by far the closest you could possibly come. Wearing a, a, a virtual reality helmet and sitting, playing this game, sitting in that X-Wing cockpit and looking around you and looking out your canopy at what's outside and just even looking at the cockpit instruments is a phenomenal experience. Um, I've tried the game both in the VR helmet and just on a flat, like on a TV, and both are good, but the, the VR experience is something else. You can get a taste of it on our Twitch stream, as we mentioned off the top of the show. You can see what Jesse saw, but it's it's not the same as having it actually on your head, I imagine. Not- uh, I, I have to say, watching the clip of Jesse playing is a little, like, motion sickness-inducing. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's, because it's strapped directly to my face. Like, every time I twitch a little, the point of view moves a bit. Um, you don't notice that when you're the one, you know, moving your head. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's in there. <laughs> I, uh, another thing, a uh, feature of that that I find a little, uh, it's great if you're in the VR, I'm sure, where you can look around the cockpit, but every once in a while I'd be playing and I'd accidentally, accidentally press the button on my PlayStation controller that would trigger that, where I could look around inside the ship, and I was like, I, I don't want to be moving inside the ship, I want the ship to move. That was a little frustrating. See, that's never happened to me. I don't know, I, I don't even know what button that is. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got, like, the Homer Simpson chubby fingers thing and stuff happens. I need a dialing wand to play this thing. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, before we move off it, I, I just got to say, though, like, we... Uh, or maybe this is a case of being in the weeds. But, yeah, this game is locked in first person, and it's so they can do the VR thing. And you're not, like... It's not like you're not going to be able to enjoy it to its fullest if you don't have a VR headset. It's still a really fun game without it, and... Frankly, you can only wear a VR helmet for a couple of hours before it gets really heavy and really hot in there. Um, But the VR experience is something else, and they've clearly designed the whole game around it. Um, An aesthetic choice in this game is that there isn't a lot of heads-up display information. They don't just draw a lot of the information, you know, about your speed and your target and all that. It doesn't just appear on the screen. They have, like animated the inside of the cockpit so that it looks like realistic like functioning hardware instrumentation you know it doesn't just give you a number for your speed like in a car you don't just have your your speed display on the windshield you have a speedometer in this x-wing you have a throttle meter like it's down into your left and you can go and like in the vr you can turn and look at it and in the you know the non VR like it's there too. It's not that different, I guess, from having it just on the screen. But in the wow. helmet, you when sound you... so snobby now. <laughs> it's well, 
See, I it's, guess I'm it's listing, a good experience. I'm listing the positives first, so hang on there, Mr. Judgmental. <laughs> the so when you're in the VR and you're looking down at the instrumentation and they're like it's like, to the point where like you can fly past something bright and the lighting will illuminate the cockpit and shadows will get cast over like the controls. Like, I definitely had a point where I couldn't see where my boost meter was charged and I had to t- roll my ship to get some more light and like uh, whatever it was was casting the shadow out of the way so I could see it. And in a way, that makes the game really hard. <laughs> but it's also, it, it contributes to that immersive experience. And all the other little tricks they do, you know, when you push the throttle forward, the animated pilot, like, pushes the throttle forward. So the hand you see through the VR is pretty much one-to-one what your hand is doing. It's super creepy. <laughs> so is that is that the downside? No, the downside, there's a couple downsides to VR. The first, like I mentioned, is that wearing VR helmets at home is still really clunky. I mean, I have a first-generation Oculus Rift, which is the, it's, they've made better VR headsets since this one, but they haven't changed that much. It still involves wearing this big apparatus on your head. It's not comfortable to do for more than a couple of hours. When I, mean, we I pl- gotta say, I I was just wearing these headphones that I got so we could do this and and talk, be able to talk with each other. I got a new headphone set with a mic and everything. And after a couple of hours of wearing just that, my ears hurt from just the pressure of that on my head for that long. I can't imagine the huge headset. Oh yeah, quadruple that. It's I definitely like I've still got the neck thing, like the soreness in the neck. It's not gonna go away until tomorrow. Um, so that's an issue. Also issue that, I mean, the way virtual reality works is they need to display, it's stereoscopic 3D, right? So they need to display two screens at once. So the graphic quality of the game does suffer. Um, hmm. It still looks great, but compared to, like, I mean, especially running on PC on my high-end gaming rig with all of the stuff maxed out, like without the VR helmet on, it, it, it looks a lot better that did in VR, but in VR, it looks kind of blurry and fuzzy. Uh, it just didn't look as good. It's kind of a shame. Now, again, there are newer headsets where the resolution is better. They're also ludicrous. Like, I, I think the I think Vive's new one is the Elite Cosmos, and it sells for 1300 Canadian. Wow. And that's... I've put a lot of money into this gaming computer, but... That's a lot of money for a headset that I'm realistically only using for, like, like if there's any game I would want a VR headset for, it's this one. But I don't know if I'm willing to spend that much money for a fairly minor upgrade. The other thing uh, that I noticed about this, this is the first time I've played a game that has what's called cross-play. So when we were playing, Jesse was on a computer and I was on a PlayStation. And if you're not a gamer, you may not realize that that up until recently wasn't really a thing it's it's a very interesting experience we were playing and someone in the chat asked how to do something and they were playing on an xbox i'm playing on a playstation and jesse's playing on a computer and we had all had a different answer for the question because none of the buttons correspond it was it was very trippy because i'm used to playing like halo and everyone's on the exact same xbox system uh, it, when I'm doing multiplayer. They used to be closed gardens or walled gardens, whatever you want to phrase it. I mean, especially with games like Halo that are exclusive to a certain brand. Now, crossplay is is a, is a very fairly recently introduced feature. Um, 
And when you think about it, there's really no reason not to. Like, I... One of the interesting things that I found that I hadn't even really considered was... Uh, so when we were playing on the Twitch, I had the game going on my TV, and I had the Twitch stream going on my computer just so I could see what was going on. And even... There, there was like a, I don't know, five or six second delay between what we were doing and what showed up on, in Twitch. And even with that delay, Jesse on his super computer was getting into the game faster than I was. So that was interesting to actually be able to physically see that happening by a significant margin yeah if you listen to our last episode where we our sort of holiday buyer's guide about the future of video games it's pc gaming is way more expensive but it's definitely higher end hardware but the difference in this was shocking um there would be like 10 15 second periods where i'd be talking and graham wouldn't be answering and it's because i'd be there in the hangar customizing my ship and he was still waiting for it to load um, so no surprise, I guess. Like, if you want to spend a whole bunch of money, you're going to have a slightly better experience. But that's still and one even, of those things. Even within that, I'm sure there. If I had a P- PlayStation Plus, it would be somewhere in the middle. There would it would the load times would end up somewhere between what I have and what you have. Oh, you so, mean like the you have the standard PlayStation Four, not the PS4 Pro? Oh, sorry, yeah, the PS Pro. Yeah, I just have the standard one, so that probably added more time to the the loading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. We'll have to see what happens when the PS5 comes out. I wonder how it'll affect the load time. Yeah, th- this is. I mean, I guess everything's backwards compatible, especially something this uh, this new will be backwards compatible. Oh yeah, yeah, the... they've already confirmed. Yeah, I mean, that, what what you have bought right now, if you buy a PS5, you'll just re-download this exact game onto that one. And you right. reset. And because all your character progression is being kept track of on your EA account, I believe, like I don't think you'll even lose any progression. Well, you've you've got you've been playing between the PC version and the PlayStation version, right? So it, right. is but it, it carrying do- over? It doesn't work there. And that is something oh. they confirmed ahead of time to, to which is fair. Um, but yeah, there's there's cross-play, but no cross-progression. My characters on the PlayStation aren't the same as my characters on the PC. Wow, that's so, kind of frustrating. It's a little. But I mean, like the, I mean, like the, I mean, I bought it for PC and for PlayStation mostly because my wife is also interested. So the idea is, I'll play on my PC and she'll play on the PlayStation, and we can cross-play and fly together and stuff. Um, like it's very like. How common is it that you would move from one set of hardware to the other? I understand that that probably isn't a large enough target demo to spend the effort on. Right, right. It just seems like, I don't know, you'd think because everything's on this EA account, it would be relatively simple to transfer that over if someone wanted to do it. I mean, there's all, like, I do just enough computer programming in my, like, in my day job to tell you that absolutely nothing is relatively simple. <laughs> well, that's the whole point of the word relatively. Yeah, yeah but I mean, but relatively in, when it comes to computers is we're like wide, wide margin. Okay, okay. Yeah. So if they look at this feature and said, you know what, nobody's going to use this. We can save time not working on it. I absolutely would check that off. I, on my, I would move that right off my Kanban board. That's no question. So I get that. I, I mean, I wish it did, but I am not upset about it in the least. So, I mean, I wanted to just go over like our impressions, how we felt about it. I mean, like the, the meat of this episode, what we wanted to talk about is it gets back to what I was kind of talking about with the VR, where, I mean, I have wanted to fly an X-Wing my entire life. 
Uh, my I discovered Star Wars through the PC CD-ROM game Star Wars Rebel Assault. And I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but the short version is my mother saw me playing it, and she looked over and said, you know, they have a movie of that. Right. And I was very confident that, oh, Mom, this is a video game, not a movie. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> As only a kid can be. Egg, well, mm, depends who you're... <laughs> <laughs> Fair but, enough. <laughs> but yeah, so Rebel Assault came out in 1993, so I was eight years old. Um, I, I begged and pleaded with my father for, I mean, it seemed like decades, but I'm sure it was just weeks, to get a joystick so I could play it properly. But like that was my first like sit-down-and-fly-a-ship video game. And one of the opening levels in that, once you get through the training, it's flying around in an X-Wing, like strafing a Star Destroyer and shooting down TIE Fighters. That was 27 years ago. And uh, now here we are doing it again, like you said, for the first time in a long time. And uh, what I'm trying to communicate here is that this is very important to me. So I would know if the experience was off, if it was wrong. And like as a huge dorky Star Wars loser <laughs> enthusiast, I'm here to tell you, they did not do it wrong. That flying ships in this game feels like flying ships in my imagination and being part of the Star Wars universe. And I think that's going to sum up a lot of what my impressions are. And we could go into detail. This is how the X wing feels. This is how the A wing feels. And this is how, it, and this is like what it's based on, and all that jazz. But. I think that as a gateway into pretending you're part of this world that you, if you I mean, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, I think there's a fair chance that you love so much. This is one of the best ways to do it. When I'm playing Battlefront and I'm, you know, I win the enough kills to play as Anakin Skywalker for 30 seconds bonus. I don't actually feel like I'm waving a lightsaber around, like I'm being a Jedi, even in Fallen Order which was EA's recent uh, single-player, like, linear story Jedi adventure. They're sort of Star Wars Dark Souls. Even that, like, it felt like I was playing a Star Wars game. This makes me feel like I'm in Star Wars in an incredibly immersive way that's very valuable to my inner child, especially given the world at large right now. And I feel like that's what should be the back of the box. <laughs> Not that games have boxes anymore, but like I feel like that should be the selling point, and it cannot be underestimated that this game is selling you what you've always wanted in your imagination, and that is a big deal. Be Jesse's inner child. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I that was all very beautifully and eloquently said. Um, my, <laughs> oh, this is gonna hurt, isn't it? <laughs> well. It hurts me more than, than anything because, uh, you know, I, I don't think I had quite the same ambitions of being an X-Wing pilot that you did. But, you know, everyone you wants to be... a Y-Wing be... pilot? No, what am I? <laughs> uh, you said not X-Wing. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I just, whenever I dreamed it, I imagined I would be good at it. And uh, so far, this game is disabusing oh, me of that God, fantasy. Here we go. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll get better at it as I play. But playing the, the world's smallest like Biff jizz band <laughs> vocal th synthesizer thing. It was. Uh, it, it was. It, there are a couple of times where I'm just flying around trying to shoot stuff, and I uh, just feel like the greenest of green X-wing pilots, and not the ace super killer that the game 
sort of wants you to be. Now, interesting question for you. Did you feel that way when you were playing the single-player stuff? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Especially at first in the prologue. There were a couple of times, like, like I had to play part of the end of the Imperial one twice because doors closed on me and I couldn't can progress past them. I it, d- it was d- Wait, in the tunnel? Like, when you're chasing? Yeah. Huh. I, I didn't know that happened. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think that says everything. <laughs> Okay, but I mean, I, first, I mean, part of me wants to defend the game and be like, "Well, that's not the game's fault. That's because you said." But also, <laughs> wow, it's not, like, wow, yeah. But it's it's but realistically, whose side not, are you on? <laughs> I, I'm on I'm on the side of the guy who wants to fly an X-wing. That's that's <laughs> you're on the game side instead of your partner's side. I mean, what I'm trying to get at is, at the end of the day, like. I, like you, like you could, you can practice and get. And I will. Get I will. Good. I'm just. And you, and like, like there were there are stuff you, like during the fleet battles battle we played that you can see on Twitch, at uh, what was it? TV. Twitch. TV slash Geek Top Five on Twitch. TV slash Geek Top Five. We're gonna keep promoting that. You can watch it there in the fleet battles game we played. Like once you got into that bomber, I mean, I wasn't doing anything towards the end of that fleet battles match. I was. I spent more time like trying to get back to where I'd gotten destroyed before collecting any kills. You were you were making a difference. <laughs> Thank you, and and I agree. I agree, but but that was sort of just because I found how to use that ship really effectively in that that situation. And I, as we play, I will find ways to do that. It was just like that first impression. And it, honestly, I really love the Spider-Man game. And the first time I played that game. I found it really challenging, and by the end, you know, I, I didn't even find the boss especially challenging, but it just, it took a while to get to that comfort level. With this, I'm sure that'll happen too. Yeah, I mean, that's true of any, like, like literally anything. Like, you're not going to be good at it the first time. Well. Well, what? <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, there's a few things where, like, you have a natural aptitude for it. Yeah, I mean, ah. is it is it natural aptitude or that I spent the majority of my childhood doing this? I, I meant you do, as like, like the pejorative you, like anyone has a thing. But yeah, you do have a, a you, with gaming stuff. You uh, have a higher, you know, you learn the the, the tricks faster than than I do, and it, part of it is just because you're more dedicated to it than I am. And but also play, part of it is also, that I have been strafing star destroyers right. since 1993. <laughs> I yeah. spent the last 27 years going for the shield generators. I, I like, don't want it to sound like I'm like complaining about the game, because I'm not. I, it was a lot of fun, and I do intend to keep playing it. And, and one of the great things about it is that we do get to play together. It's something that w- there's there hasn't been a game in a long time that you and, and I and our some of our friends have all gotten together to play it's it's been a while. Like maybe Mass Effect Three was the last time we had something that we were all into. Oh yeah, that was good multiplayer. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm even if I was always the lowest ranked one in these matches, I would probably still play it just because it's fun to play with you guys. And I do like I am excited to play it with our larger group of friends. I mean, there's like there's something to be said for playing with random people online, but. It's not, not much. It's not really my jam. It's not really your jam. It's very popular with most people, so that's not us. <laughs> but yeah, getting like it's five like it's five people per squad. So like get if we can get another three folks and play all together in one group, like that's I am very much looking forward to that experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I, it's going to be a special day when we get all five of us together to do that. And I really look forward to it, especially when we can strategize. Because right now with a bunch of randos, it's hard to say, all right, you take the B-Wing and focus on this and I'll have my... Oh, wait, there is no B-Wing in this game. You take the Y-Wing and focus on, on that and I'll have the supply ship and you shoot your missiles and then resupply with me. Now it's just like everyone's an X-Wing or an A-Wing and you go and, and that's it. And also, to be fair, it is day one, so most of the conversations tend to be, you know, like, how do I shoot? Yeah. <laughs> what button is X? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. And, um, man, I just checked the clock, and we're really deep into this. We've spent a long time talking about how in love with this thing we are. Uh, I, we, we should also do, what about it do we not like? What about it that's missing, etc. Um, one thing that we touched on is, is, like, a lot of the cosmetic stuff isn't great like it's not gonna there, there's you can you can choose the gloves on your pilot and it's like who cares who's even gonna see that there's like in sometimes when you're in the waiting room you can see the other pilots and you can you know make little emo, emotion gestures at everyone else but it's like sure change what your head looks like change what helmet you're wearing but your gloves like why is that a feature it's sort of weird, and even the ships. I mean, like I like I, I said, I'm really excited to have the Red Squadron look on my X-wing, but no one is ever going to see that. I don't see it because I'm in the cockpit, and everyone else like this is a fast-paced action game. Like you know, they're going to see me on their targeting computer, and then there's going to be a flurry of laser bolts in both directions. Like it's like, who are you showing off to, really? Like, it's 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 yeah. per, it's perfectly a personal satisfaction thing rather than any progression so that is a little strange uh yeah another thing this isn't really a complaint or a downside with it and and it's sort of it may be a bit dicey to discuss so we may just touch on it lightly and leave it at that but in the old days in like the star wars legends timeline where before disney took over and, and everything a lot of the the extra stuff got taken away like the old novels don't count anymore and some of the old video games don't count anymore um but in that the the imperial side was always very white like everyone who was an imperial tended to be a white man and that became part of the continuity like like the imperials were racist right they didn't have aliens tend they they were racist and sexist there weren't many women there weren't many other races or species but yeah. the first Imperials you see in this game are there's uh, there's two African American people or like black people and there's an Asian woman I think and it's it's a, a very different take on it than I'm used to seeing in these kind of games. It's definitely something that Disney wanted to address as soon as they started, um, and they've a they've actually sort of tripped over it a bit. You mentioned this to me earlier, but uh, I'll give you full credit for it. Like they they've introduced a lot of new characters. Like, who aren't the traditional straight white men. But see if you can pick up the theme. Like, new characters include, like, Ray Sloan, who's a recurring Imperial character. She's in this game, too, but she appeared in the initial, the Aftermath novels, like the first canon novels oh, that cool. explain what happened after Return of the Jedi. And she's a, a woman of color who works for the evil Galactic Empire. And then they introduced Aiden Verzio, and an Indian-looking woman who's a woman of color who works for the evil Galactic Empire. And now they've introduced Teresa Carroll, who's an Asian woman who works for the evil Galactic Empire. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of... Yeah. Hmm. It's like, by trying to 
I guess correct something from the past. They've overcorrected in a way that they've created a new problem. Yeah, it's a little awkward. And and let's be fair. Like there's like yeah, one of the rebel pilots, and this is a black woman too. There's lots of representation. The trick is in the rebel like republic is there's also a lot of representation from fictional species, right? So whereas the Imperial squad has like an Asian person and a black person and the rebel squad has a lizard man, right? <laughs> like it's so it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, they still do a pretty good job of going across gender and they they've overplayed their hand a little in introducing same sex characters. They like they like the the Imperial flight leader in this game is gay and it never really comes up, but on his like databank entry, it's like he's a kick ass tie pilot and he you know, and despite the scrapes, he's always managed to return, which is a great relief to his husband. <laughs> and you're yeah. reading it, you're like, What the fuck does that have to do with it? Oh, okay. It's 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 sorta it's it, yeah, it can get tricky. Um but I appreciate that they're trying more than that they're not, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a nice touch. It just, it feels like in the past, having the the bad guys be sexist white supremacists seemed to be kind of appropriate, whereas now they're, they just don't like aliens. Now they're just speciesist. Yeah. Which is progress. (laughs) Good for them. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, my, my, yeah, the stuff that complaints I had weren't nearly that (laughs) political and socially aware so I should get woke but uh, no I definitely had some things not complaints but just think like directions I would like the game to develop Um, they initially said that they like they're not planning any DLC for this but they're going to see what the interest is and quote how much money they're going to make and maybe they'll add stuff and I really think the game could benefit from some additions Um, so a big one for me uh, in two layers, I'm not happy with the the ships in this game, uh, with the selection specifically. I don't like that there's only four per side, and I don't like how symmetrical they are. Uh, hmm. Both sides have a fighter, both sides have an interceptor, both sides have a bomber, and both sides have a support ship. I would like to see more asymmetrical multiplayer. Like I would like it to be an interesting choice to be Imperial or Rebel rather than just cosmetic. Okay, uh, and I think you solve that problem like you you kill two birds with one stone by introducing s- ships with specialized roles that the other faction doesn't have, and that's kind of what I was hoping for in those support ships. I, I was hoping the U-wing and the Tie Reaper would be significantly different, but they're not really. Both seem to be like they show up and they deliver ammunition and countermeasures. Um, I want more options. I mean, as like, coming from the Rebellion Republic, whatever, I I want to fly a B-wing. Oh yeah, let's get the B wings in there. So, so what would the B wing have in your? Well, and that's what I'm saying. And if you're going to add the B wing, like let's do something interesting with it. Um, And off the top of my head, I'm not sure what that would be. What I what I like if you had hmm. in terms of cannon, like the functions of these starfighters differ a little. Like a Tie fighter does not usually hold a candle to an X wing. They've made some modifications and adjustments to that, so it'll be more fair. The B wing in cannon is basically a souped-up version of the Y wing. Right? It's a new. It's a cool new bomber. It carries more guns and has more bombs and has that cool frame. I feel like in this case you can give it like specialized weapon systems. Um, I wish they could have done this. The B-Wing in Star Wars Rebels is the origin of that starfighter-based composite beam cannon. Instead of shooting lots of little laser blasts, it shoots like one big continuous beam. 
And that's a big plot point in the cartoon. Now, they've added that as an item for the bombers in for bo- in this game, so that opportunity is lost. But give the B-Wing a cool special weapon that only it has that's really useful for attacks against capital ships. Uh, maybe a combination like ion and standard weapons with disable systems while at the same time doing hull damage. Well, something I like, like that, that idea. Yeah, like, that's cool. Um, an easier one to do would be the opposite side. On the Imperial side, I definitely want to fly a TIE Defender. Um, we talked about the TIE Defender in our top five Star Wars ships episode. Um, the TIE Defender is based, like in the, in the fiction, is the Empire's super TIE fighter. Like it's better than all the, it's better than all the other ships. It's 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 the super ship. It's it's great. Um, so you can't do that. But what I was thinking is in the the PC video game TIE Fighter, where the TIE Defender was originally introduced, one of the unique features it had is that it had built-in beam weapons um, in regards to like a tractor beam. So you could use the tractor beam on an enemy target and like sort of lock him in place and make it really easy to fire on him. Oh, or you could cool. sw- Or you could swap it out for a jamming beam, and while you had him in the jamming beam, he couldn't fire back. Like maybe that could be add like a defensive capability as well. I mean, to to add into the defender aspect of it, none of the tie ships have shields, uh, so maybe have a beam where you can give. Well, I think the your... Reaper does, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, right. But... Oh, but and you're, the, you're the saying bomber... transfer shields to another player. Yeah, yeah, like that's a cool idea. Like something unique like that that the other side doesn't have, and I think making that asymmetric gameplay would make it a lot more interesting because right now, really. Which side you pick is mostly cosmetic. Like, you can bring the same tools to the table most of the time. With, with very minor variances, it looks like, in some of that specialized equipment. The, the TIE Interceptor is the only ship that has the weapon that, if someone shoots a missile at you, you can reprogram it and send it back at them. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, the A-Wing has something else. But that's a very niche, very minor thing. Like, I'm looking for something new to do in gameplay, where now you think, like, okay, in this situation, oh, I, if I, let's play as the Empire so I can use this tool. I think it would be interesting to introduce more gameplay modes, because just the two right now, it feels a little basic. Like, I, I kind of think we'll get tired of the two of them quickly. I, I think another one or two would just add something to the replayability of it. Uh, and I don't know what the, that would look like, but that's kind of what I want. Like, maybe have one where you go up against the Death Star if you're the Rebels, or, or something where you're attacking Yavin, or something like that, yeah, if I you're th- the Imperials. Yeah, a lot of older Star Wars games basically like let you replay cool historical battles from the movies. Like, yeah, I'd like to do a trench run in this game with these physics. A, a Death yeah, Star it's like, trench run would be fantastic. Every every Star Wars game that where you can fly a ship has a trench run in it somewhere, and there's a reason for that, because everyone wants to relive that moment from the movies. Yeah, it's one of the most exciting set pieces in, like, action cinema history. It's, I, it's arguably still one of the best battles out of in all, what, 11 Star Wars movies? Right, yeah. Ugh, 11. Man, too many. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a different podcast. Yeah, I would love to do the trench run again. I would love to do Battle of Endor again, which is just fleet battles, but, like, you know, have three of them happening at once. With a Death Star 2 occasionally picking off targets. Like, that would be rad. We all want to see the Millennium Falcon in there. You know, see the hero ships. Like, that would be cool. Would you want to pilot it or just have it there to, uh, as a support vehicle? 
Uh, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought. Like the support ships, the way they they function in the game now, sort of fit the Millennium Falcon archetype, right? Like a bigger, it's bigger and heavier than a fighter and less maneuverable, but still fast and heavily armed and can do stuff. Like the the Millennium Falcon could fit pretty comfortably into the U wings role. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So maybe you start like maybe hero ships is something to consider. I mean, which is something Battlefront Two does. But add it to the, the squadrons mix. You, know, you have various models of the Millennium Falcon for the Rebels. And man, I, what would you do for the Empire side? Like the go-to... Well, I guess you could do things like advanced TIEs. Yeah, Vader's TIE Fighter. Yeah, um, the, the X-1 or the advanced V-1s that the Inquisitors use. Which is or, in the game because what's his name? Linden, the Imperial Defector in the prologue, is piloting it. Oh, cool. So you could just I didn't have, catch that. Yeah, you could just have that in there and just give it some special abilities. That's 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 a pretty cool thing they could add. Kylo Ren's tie, whatever he has. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're comfortable breaking the timeline, yeah, adding a whole bunch of sequel trilogy ships. Oh, weird. Totally a niche thing. Doesn't matter at all. But just because it's bugging me, the Imperial capital ship is the Imperial Star Destroyer. Always has been. Always will be. The rebel counterpart to it has always been the MC-80 Mon Calamari cruiser. And that's in the game. Like, I mean, I've been shot at by one and shot at one. <laughs> but in fleet battles, the, cap- the Imperial capital ship is always the Star Destroyer, and the Republic capital ship is always the 75. It's the, the new Calamari ship from Rogue One. Why? Okay. Why, is it, why isn't it the full-sized Mon Cal cruiser? Like, that's... It, it just it's super weird to me like it, especially it's, since it would be pretty old by then wouldn't it it's yeah it's not like it's a rare ship and again it's in the game like one shows up at the end of the prologue mission hmm. so why isn't it in the fleet battles i feel like that's weird i mean heck even just adding a little variety to the ships and fleet battles would make it interesting like especially if they behaved differently right yeah so it, yeah. if it's if if you're going up against the MC seventy five the Rogue One one like you know you have the command deck is on that sort of dorsal fin that's going way down maybe it works differently on the MC eighty like, like those ships like you know there's no cannon quote unquote design for them but they're like in general it's told that they have really thick shields and such so maybe it's harder to get the shield generators down on that one and that changes your strategy a bit that would be a really cool way to expand it you don't even have to add a new mode but it's adding in new variables i think that could be really cool yeah yeah and and it would definitely change it up so that each experience would be slightly randomized and and the fleet battle wouldn't always just be the same thing and then when you're talking about like adding like sequel stuff, I'm just thinking of all the other ships. It would be cool to see. <laughs> I mean, I I would love to do one of the like the E wings in Legends. I mean, I know they they haven't been recanonized at least not yet, but those were pretty awesome. I'd love to see some of those in there. And, and there's so many different Tie Fighter designs. Just where do you stop? Like some of the ridiculously obscure ones, like the Tie Raptor. Like that would be a really cool thing to see. It's just. There's so many little things that they could add, I mean, even then, even if it's just cosmetic, but hopefully to add more variety and more variables to the gameplay. I just, I really hope they support this and keep building on it because what's there, super happy with. It's gold. It's going to keep me busy for a long time, but there's potential for it to keep growing in such a way. I mean, what is it? Smash Brothers is now up to like 80 characters. Like, oh, crazy. Yeah, you can keep video games going for a long time by adding new content, especially when it's done reasonably. And I think this is such a this is, this is fertile ground for that kind of stuff. 
really hope that we get to see it. Yeah, do you think they would do a sequel instead of of patching this up and DLCing it? They just go forward with another cheap sequel? God, I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but, like, that, like that hasn't been their strategy. Like, well, the big thing in video games over the last few years has been games as a service, where like they release one game and they just keep releasing content to it. Like you look at a game like Destiny Two which has been out for years, as the game has gotten so big that they've had to remove old content to make room for new content. Wow, which I didn't it, know that. Which is insane, if you ask me. Like, the story mode that you played, if you bought Destiny 2 on launch, with the newest expansion, it's no longer available. Like, you cannot play that story anymore. That crazy. That just sets me off. Like, that's that's madness, and, and that, that means it's time to make a new game. But this is what they want to do. They want to make the groundwork of the, and then just keep building on it, and you keep paying little bits at a time forever you know, to build on the game. And I don't know if that's a good idea. But it does lend itself to that kind of programming. And so if they're going to do something on a smaller scale for this, where you know five years from now we're still going to be playing squadrons, but there are going to be new ship packs out, new map packs out, new historical battle packs out, like just new additions to keep it interesting. And depending on how it's priced, I could get on board. If they just release Star Wars Squadrons two two years from now, and I, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm a sucker for this, so I probably will buy it. But I don't know which situation would make me more unhappy. <laughs> All right, well, what do you think? Should we uh, start wrapping it up? Let's yeah, get back into the game. Let's keep playing. Yeah, All this I think... talk has gotten me jonesing. <laughs> I think that's the highlight. I'm sort of looking at the icon on my desktop while we're recording this. <laughs> Man, get, get this going. I want to get those new missiles. Yeah, no, I think that uh, we could wrap it up there, because at this point we're just uh, you know, we're gilding the lily. Star Wars Squadrons, it's available for PS4, for Xbox One, for PC... Um, and they play with each other, so it doesn't matter which one you get. You can play with your friends. Available now online or in whatever stores are still open. Um, I highly recommend getting it online. And uh, <laughs> if you want to check it out before you buy it, I mean, you can check it out on Twitch because Geek Top Five. We've recorded ourselves playing, so you can get a first-hand look. And that address again is. Twitch.tv slash GeekTop5. You can also always email us at uh, GeekTop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash GeekTop5. And we're on Twitter at GeekTop5. And we've got links to Twitch going on all of our socials right now, too. Absolutely. Please be sure to check this out. Listen, 100%, we're doing this to gauge interest. Like, if you're into this, if this is cool, We've got it working, and we'd love to do more of it. Uh, it just depends if it's something, if it's media you want to consume. So please let us know. If you hate it, let us know. If you love it, let us know. Uh, we're testing the waters. We want to know what you what you think. Because we get to do this because of you guys. So thank you so much uh, for giving us the opportunity to talk to you. Special thanks go to you. Um, also, just quickly, on to also never forget, special thanks to our the guy behind our theme song, Jamie Reum. R-E-A-U-M-E Check him out, Jamie underscore Reum or Jamie Reum Official on YouTube and check out his virtual pub night trivia nights pod project at triviashmivia.com um, Geek Top 5, we never cover music stuff as in-depth as we should and he covers that a great deal on some of the stuff he does 
Um, so you can get your musical fix there. We're going to go play Star Wars Squadrons. Hey, if you're playing, um, come check it out. Check out us playing on Twitch, but let us know. We'd love to play with you, too. We're looking to build a squadron. You know, the GT5s could really take over the stars here. It's, it's going to be a blast. I'm just vamping. I want to go play. I'll talk to you <laughs> another time. Uh, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we're going to go play. Um, and maybe we'll be finished in time to talk to you again next week. <laughs>